before the World Cup, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even Matt Williams' terrible, awful hot takes on rugby. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Um, welcome to anybody new joining us um, who has found us um, as the World Cup approaches and is looking for some um, Scottish slant on, on, on rugby and all the all goings on. We'll be with you for the next four weeks. Who knows what happens after that? I don't know. I don't know how that works. For how long how long does you how long does the pro stages last? Four weeks. As long as a piece of string. There we go. As long as there is hope in our hearts. Anyway, um joining me this evening we have Craig Manson. Hello Craig. Good evening. How are we doing? We've got Johnny McGinty. Hello Johnny. Johnny's not saying hello. Hello Johnny. Hello, just scratching his neck. Hello, we got there eventually. And Ian here. Hello, I said Ian. hello. Uh, hello. Johnny, see, Johnny seems to. Be, I thought that was a prison door behind you there, Johnny. But actually, you've got your door open, and there's a picture that's been reflected in the window. <laughs> Johnny is coming like to a... us live from Barlini tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think Johnny's having a problem. He's 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 completely and utterly like. I think he's. I think he's too tired from his job today. He's just we like... soul. Do you know when the eighties when they used to get people yeah, by that... satellite broad from outside broadcast by satellite, yeah. <laughs> and they'd ask them a question? It's like that the Alan Partridge thing where they keep she keeps answering the next with the wrong question. Actually, like in the reflection, I can see it, tell that Johnny has is that a Jaws? Yes, now Johnny's moved. To, yeah, Jaws poster behind them. I can see the shark in the reflection. Johnny seems to have frozen. Johnny's frozen. Yeah. I think that that might answer the problem. Is why we've got a delay on Johnny. Anyway. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. If you are watching it's us live, we... artwork, Ian. there we go. It's he's on... <laughs> Ian is Johnny's joining us tonight via Sputnik. <laughs> We're bouncing a signal up into the moon and then bouncing it back, and that's that's why there's a slight delay on Johnny McGinty's responses to everything we're saying. Um, anyway, hello. If you're watching us live, we're on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Um, and we broadcast live every week. You can then download us afterwards in an audio format on uh, any of your normal podcast apps. We also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, where for a very small amount uh, every month, you can get a bonus weekly podcast where we um, we do swears, I'll be honest. We don't swear on this podcast because uh, we know some children and families like to listen, but we do swears in the Patreon podcast and we, we cut loose and how, go in a bit more depth on some of this as we have covered. Um, this week, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different um, that we haven't done before, but I think given that we have some new listeners and, and perhaps even um, as a bit of a refresher for us all, we thought we'd go through the basics of rugby union. Now, this is not a sport. This is not, this is like going, explaining chess from scratch, right? This is not an easy sport to explain. We're not going to try and cover it all, but we thought we could cover the basics of the positions 1 to 15. We'll do some of the basic fundamentals as well. Um, and we've done no research on this either, and some of us have been drinking wine. So this could be fun. <laughs> this is not this is not an authoritative take on the, on the laws of rugby. And that is the first lesson. Lesson number one, it is laws, not rules. If you use the word rules in front of somebody that knows about rugby, you'll be instantly uh, mocked for using the wrong word. And that's the first thing to know about rugby is that nobody really understands it. Anybody that claims to understand it is just a liar. 
doesn't mean it can't be enjoyed. To be fair, though, that does that so theoretical physics, some of us yeah. to see it on purpose. Yeah, that is very true, Johnny. So let's do positions. Let's do players and positions first, because this is the fun thing. And also, um, Johnny and I can annoy uh, Craig um, with our understanding of the, of the front row. So let's I've talk been about. On props. Uh, I'm feeling good about this. In a, in in what kind of way have you been working on props, Johnny? Well, I'm learning about it. Yeah, I've, I've had to I've had to spray down my door and, and and like you know put one of those things out that repels cats. So we have at, at one and three. Now there's a reason why it's one and three because if you look at the scrum, it's one, then two, then three across the front of the scrum, and we'll we'll come on to number two, which is the hooker, in a minute. Um, one is, and I have to check this every single time. One is the tight head. <laughs> No. Three is the loose head. I'm glad we're not on the Patreon because I was about to swear there. I take it you're doing that just to wind me up, Cameron. <laughs> and if you if you look at it right on on from an aerial point of view, right, the thing like, it's the opposite. one's always on the right, isn't he? Yeah. This is the problem. It's the le- it's the opposite of lefty loosey righty tighty. Yeah, it's mental. That's why I find it confusing, Craig. Why it? Well. Hang on. No, you're, you're looking, looking at it. Yeah, if you're looking at it from the position of the of the actual scrum going forward, if you're the attacking scrum, the lefty, uh, the loose head is always on the left. Yeah, but if I'm looking at it from an aerial point of view, the yeah. way that it lines up, the way they put the lineups uh, pre-match, it's not. Yeah, they always do. They always put. Um, they do yeah. one, two, three. From yeah, they always from... put the loose head on the left. Yeah, loose is always on the left. Yeah. Well, that's sure. It's the yeah. tight. Tight's on the left. Should be on the tight. One, two, three. Do they do no, it the other one, way around? Two, that three, three's, 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 three's tight, and he's always on. He's always on the right. On the right tight yeah. is on the right. Yeah. Loose is on the left. Is, is Cammy fishing for like jaws here? Hang on. Tight yeah, is on yeah. the. We're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> tight is tight, on right. Tight is on the right. One, two, th- yeah. No. So if you're reading, for, if you're reading from left. left to right, if you're left. reading from left to right, okay. One. Two, three. Yeah. Tight, t- right. According to the World Rugby <laughs> website. <laughs> According to the, rugby the, loose world, head world is, rugby the loose head's closest to the like, scrum half. And they're right. on the left. So what number what number is the loose head? One. Not one. Not according to the World Rugby website on positions. This is why this is where the confusion's coming from. World rugby are going to get, get away. Strongly worded not according to some fantasy World rugby, rugby, the game, beginner's guide, positions by number, number one, tight head prop. That's on the Get official away. World Rugby <laughs> website. <laughs> Genuinely. Immediately. Seriously, beginner's guide to the game, positions, number one, tight head prop. Oh, for the love of because I thought I'm not getting this wrong tonight when we're doing a beginner's guide to rugby. I'm going to look up the official, what does it say on World Rugby's website? And it does. Number one, tight head prop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and also number 16 then assumingly on the sub uh, replacements bench no the subs bench we'll call it the finishers it bench it does say that it's right it does I'm, I'm right you see acid casual on on the on twitch i didn't realize the explanation of the laws of rugby would start with what is left and what is right <laughs> <laughs> well he hasn't been coached by me before you know what <laughs> us, us having to point out the world rugby doesn't the know the difference between left and right yeah. Go on, Johnny. On their infographic at the top, they've got loose head one on a little infographic. But then if you go down positions by number, it says one common name tight head prop. 
That so that, their infograph, well, that is embarrassing for World Rugby. So let's see, it's not oh, my really? fault. So it is. I mean, but then, so that's fair. the way it's, So that does work then. Lefty, loosey, righty, tighty. Yeah. So the system works. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We're there. We're there. That is so bad. I'm pleased, fair, I'm pleased we've got that up there. Blink side flanker. Nice. All this, all the small things. We'll come on to that in a moment. Um, the um, Matt, Matt Sim just says, simply says, "Jesus wept." Hello, Matt. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Um, Craig, explain the difference between loose head and a tight head to us. The, okay, they're both the big lads. Can I? Can I do it? Can I do it? Let me try. Go on. Let's. Can you? Can on, we, let's let Johnny do it, and then I want you to score him out right. of ten. Okay. Okay. Loose head prop. Party prop. He tries to wreck the opposition scrum by pushing forwards and trying to spin it round because he's got he's got more space because he's not bound on both sides. Tight head prop, anchor prop. He's to keep your scrum stable, and his job is to try and fend off the opposition loose head. Is that right, Craig? How what are you scoring in there? Um, probably a four out of ten. Um, that was because much he's, for. Because we're he's, about to get technical, lads. Because it's it's he's he's given a sort of a whimsical, um, uh, non-informed. No, no, no. He's he's all right. He's done all right. Actually, he's done all right. The, the tight head prop is the linchpin of, of the of the scrum. You build all your pressure on the tight head prop. So your hooker binds onto your tight head prop. Your your loose head prop binds onto your hooker. Um, the the loose head prop, in basic terms, has a loose shoulder, so his shoulder is out, out, and available to move. Whereas a tight head prop, both shoulders are um, tied into the scrum as such, um, with a player on the a player on either side of him, and his head has got a head on either side, whereas a loose head head doesn't have a head on both sides. It's loose. So that's the it's loose exactly. That's that's where the loose comes from. That's that's basically exactly what I said, but with more. <laughs> it really words. isn't. There was party prop, and there was all this, and there was yeah. this, that, and the other. Yeah, so trying to make it exciting he, for the newbies, Craig. What, what I would say, however, is that the loose head prop. God, I'm going to be here all night. No, no. Um, the loose head prop can um, affect on how on how the drive is um, taken forward, but also the tight head prop can also. Um, change a drive quite some quite quite um, what's the word uh, can be can be um, uh, can split the other the opposition scrum apart with with uh, their drive as well. So there's a little bit of um, come and go with Johnny's Johnny's description, but I could get even more geeky about it. But I'm not going to to save everyone's everyone's uh, falling asleep because I know Johnny's tired. See, I thought we were supposed to be talking nonsense about this, Cammy. That was my <laughs> understanding of the rules. And here's Craig giving us a Petrus de Plessis like masterclass. What, what you've got to understand is that what you've got to understand is I don't take I, proper is serious. I don't take I, I don't I can't I just can't. Uh, do can't, it, so. can't yeah, exactly. We expect, we expect <laughs> nothing less nothing less, Craig. Yeah. Number two then, so in between those two we have the, the hooker, which is uh, you know, Clearly, anybody new to the game, an, an absolutely ridiculous name for a position. And um, if you're thinking of making a joke about the name, it's already been made numerous oh, times. Yeah. So yeah. let's not bother. So, <laughs> so the hooker's job, my, now my brother's a hooker, and, and he will tell me they're, they're vitally important in the scrum, Craig. But it, essentially, 
nowadays, I think for anybody that, that maybe has dips in and out of rugby, Ross Ford era, the hooker was almost like a third prop there to kind of push. But now the laws say they have to attempt to strike the ball. So they have to like almost like old school, if you watched the rugby back in the day, they had to have one leg on the ground and one leg out to try and strike the balls that comes into the center of the scrum. So they're, they don't have the same kind of influence, I guess, in terms of the, the shove as, as they once did. It depends very much. Um, you can strike the, the ball with your knee. So if the ball is fed in straight, which is very rare nowadays, um, you can stop the ball with your knee and drive through like Ross Ford was taught and Ross Ford played all those years ago, but you have to actually show the referee that you're striking the ball. So the, the ball has to be stopped and, and moved slightly with the knee. Uh, very rarely nowadays are you going to stop the ball with the knee and push forward. Most of the time it's a strike um, because yeah. hookers also are, are becoming more and more um, athletic um, and less bulky. So they're able to move on the props shoulders because obviously they're tied in with the props they can move their hips they can move a little bit easier than than hookers of old and then the other job that the hooker has is to throw in uh for line outs so that is where the ball goes out of play um on the sidelines of the pitch the hooker then uh if they have the throw has to throw straight between two lines of players which i don't think my brother has ever done in his life um Bless him. And I don't think there's many hookers that can do. So that's, that's the other role for the hooker. And I, I think one of the things that people often, and again, I get this, my, my brother always blames his jumpers. So the hooker's job is to throw in straight, but they also, there is a timing issue in this call. They have all sorts of different calls back in the day. Yeah, there we go. The hooker's job we've is got, to take the blame for poor lifts. Comments. On the comments, yeah. The hooker's job is to take the blame for the poor lift. So the hooker has to throw in straight between the two lines of players of the opposition players and the um, their own team's players when they throw in. But they also have to hit their jumper because each line will try and jump and they'll be aiming for someone because they'll have agreed pre-going into the line out who's going to jump and what pattern they're going to jump. And there's all sorts of secret calls that go on. Ours used to be Harvey Bish Bristol Cream. And it, it depended on which emphasis you give to Harvey Bristol or Cream as to whether you're going front, middle, or back. That seems to be the way it's, yeah. I'm not telling you what errors are because we're still using them. Yeah. But there's all sorts of weird secret calls. So it, it's not always, in defensive hookers, it is not always the hooker's fault when the catcher doesn't catch it. It's mostly the hooker's fault, though. Um, <laughs> Tell you what, what, Craig knows a lot about the front row for a winger. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you hear what I know about the wing. He's a utility, <laughs> utility player. Um, locks then, four and five. Now, the locks have two key jobs as far as I see it. One is obviously to be the tall, very, very tall players that jump or are hoisted into the air for, at line-out time, but also to shore up the scrum. Now, I, I'm going to come back to you again, Craig, because there is kind of prop talk here. How important is it to have a big, tall man pressed up firm against your ass when you're pushing forward? Can I just sort of also add this? Like, because go people on. sometimes go on about how it's a tight head lock. Is it really that important to have a lock who's a specialist at sporting either a tight head or a loose head? Yeah. Or does it matter just... four or five, or does it matter which shirt you wear? 
Or is that just administrative? And uh, in, in, in amateur rugby, not as much as it does in professional rugby. Uh, in professional rugby, you will have tight headlocks and you will have loose headlocks. Um, and it's mainly down to how they bind in and what sort of pressure you're wanting to put through the front row um, and how you want to try and take apart the scrummage that you're, you're going up against if you know who you're going up against. Um, it, the locks are incredibly, when it comes to um, scrummaging, the locks are incredibly um, important. Um, they are the engine room of a scrum. Um, they're the ones that will provide the, the, the straight push, the forward push. Um, but they also have to have the, the, their feet in a, a, a in a good position to provide a tunnel for the ball to come through and get to the back quickly. There you go. So, another, can I ask another wee question here? The general level of violence too. <laughs> Tea enforcers. Uh, yeah. see, see, when it comes to like having a lock behind a prop, it's just sort of does the prop's um, leg length sort of depend on where you this guy suits better for going on this side or what have you? Not really. Hopefully, you're going to have your prop um, with a and and well, we could you know go back to the old adage of um, of Xander Ferguson when he started and used to always overextend his legs. Um, you you want a Z shape or an open Z shape, so. If, uh, basically, it's, it's it's two right angles on the on the legs when you're when you're when you're set up and scrum, almost like you're 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 squatting um, weights, but also on a on a flat plane rather than a horizontal plane. Um, for for so length, how big your prop is and how big your your second row is shouldn't really matter. The drive should be going through the base of your arse cheeks, straight up your back. So basically their back and you and the props and hookers backs should all be in one in one line um and almost like a like a um a spine as such and which is why i referred to that's kind of referred to as the spine of the the scrum isn't it then that's yeah. that's how the, and it is important that they have longer arms um so they can reach because they have to reach between the the props legs to reach the shirt so so, so you don't want a short arm lock or they're, they're not grasping the shirt they're grasping something else we see that again. That's where we're, we change things slightly nowadays. Um, we're looking for a really tight bind, so the bind comes through, and you're almost in the old days. You would have a, 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 a props pocket in his shorts, um, but you no longer have pockets in shorts anymore. So you're basically you're trying to get the the and, and if anybody can see on the on 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 our uh, this on our our video, um, you're trying to get your hand as close to your ear as you possibly can. Um, when you're binding on to the uh, the props leg, so you're basically round the thigh and, and and try to get as tight a binding as you possibly can. There we go. So that's that's the locks. Um, back row then. Um, no, I think it's interesting with back row because because traditionally you would say your sixes, your kind of Rob Harley type role, it's your enforcer, it roams around the pitch just causing random violence. Your sevens, your kind of dark arts. Um, with a mullet, the, with a mullet, kind of going around trying to snaffle the ball and constantly being offside. It, I think it, it, it really the kind of difference between six and seven depends on the team that's playing these days. But I think it's safe to say that the both open side and blind side flankers' roles are both defensive and attacking, and that from a defensive point of view, they're trying to constantly disrupt and cause 
problems for the opposition attack. And and then in attack, they're going to offer themselves up as carriers. Yeah, and usually your six is maybe the, the sturdier. Either, like, like you're saying, you do have your sort of archetypal six, but then there's also this um, habit for turning a lock. Making up like using a lock and an athletic lock. So you would and see six, Sam 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 Skinner. Sam yeah, Sam Skinner can oh, play Skinner, six. Yep. Skinner would play six if he was to switch to the back row and can play lock as well. You're, so you're, you're, of, maybe not as mobile. They're definitely not as mobile as a an out and out open side. That's they're, yeah. they're the nippy on the shoulder guys usually. Yeah, and, and the other ones, they're, they're your fetchers. The seven's a fetcher. Um, your eight and your seven are your fetchers. They go out, um, and they're a lot of the most of the time. Um, the way they are setting up is um, you're, they're going out to hunt nine and ten. Usually, we try to have the seven hitting the ten as quick as he can, um, putting as much pressure on the ten so that they spill the ball. Or if you do put a tackle in, then you're going in to jackal the ball off the ten. Um, so that's where the seven kind of comes into it. It's a little bit more. They, they've usually got more pace. That's why if you look at Jamie Ritchie and you look at Hamish Watson, usually Hamish Watson would set up as a seven because he's just he's the more athletic of the two. Yeah. But you'll also see Jamie Ritchie's at six. He's probably, I would say now, he's probably more of a fetcher than, than Mish is. Yeah, well, you're going to see, you're going to see this. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see Mish very often. I think you're going to see probably um, Jamie Ritchie at seven. Oh, no, sorry, Darge at seven and Jamie Ritchie at six. But yeah, yeah, Jamie, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from sixes. Sixes are still a good fetcher. Um, it just tends to it tends to be a sixer as a six is a is, is slightly slightly slower. The off six, the, the six is the first to the to, the six is the first to the handbags. Let's be yeah, fair. Pretty much. They're yeah. usually punching the other, the, 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 the tight head drop in the side of the head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then your eight, I mean, your eight does have, I guess your eight has a, has a role to play in, in the scrum and pushing forward. I mean, I'm not sure what impact, much impact the either open side or blind side has particularly. I mean, we've had Scott Steele at flanker for Scotland before, but the eight does have a role, I suppose, uh, Craig, and we'll come back to use the front row and kind of pu- pushing through from the back, but also controlling the ball at the base of the scrum, but then is, is probably the heavy the, the carrier in attack as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, eights are usually, and, and again, we're, we're talking about um, almost things that have kind of fallen into place with rugby, and it's, a, it's almost a, gen, a generalistic look at it, but the eights are usually very, very strong in contact um, moving forward. They're wanting to get over the gain line. A lot of the time, they're picking from the back of the scrum, and they're and they're, and they're wanting to just get across the gain line. And I mean the gain line; it's the line that goes right through the middle of the scrum. So as the two as the two scrums come together, the gain line is right through the middle of that. So what you're looking to do is get through that, and then get to the the back feet of the uh, of the scrum. So if you've made an advantage if you drive through. Um, uh, if you're picking the ball and you get to the almost the back feet of the opposition scrum, so. Yeah, um, eights are eights tend to be in the in the line out as well at the back to to fetch the ball if there's an overthrow, they're now being lifted as well. If you're going on a five a five a five man line out, you tend to bring your seven and your six out, um, and they um, 
uh, they, either your eight or your seven or your six, seven and your six out of the out of the line out, and you use them as a crash ball or or or, or, or rampaging forwards when they're going forward or, or in defence. But I think the the other key thing I think particularly with Scotland, Johnny, is that the the six, seven, and eight are fairly interchangeable from like with a team like Scotland because we could name which of the six, seven, and eights, but we know that Mish will carry very hard. We know Matt Ferguson can play six. We know that Jamie Ritchie can play is a good fetcher. So although these roles traditionally have kind of the, the different duties assigned to them, it's fairly interchangeable in modern rugby. Yeah, I, th- I think as like all players, but particularly forwards, become bigger, stronger, more athletic, you are focusing less on on sort of traditional skill sets and more on the more you can do the better basically and especially in the back row because they like the amount of work that they get through is incredible and they've they've now you're kind of now expecting all of your back rows to do several different jobs so it's evolving a bit yeah and you'll see that in the in the stats after a game it's normally one of your back rows and one of your locks are going to be your highest tacklers in defense often making double figures um, let's move to the backs then Craig is there anything you want to say about that before I want to quickly move to the backs Craig unless you've got something out you know what uh, yeah, at the the Bulls game the Bulls future 15 game at the weekend there do you know what I, I enjoyed seeing which I hadn't seen in ages but I used to see back in the, the 90s especially a good old pushover scrum try Oh, not a penalty try just a oh yeah shoved them back there we go boom Flop over. That's what a number eight used to be good at. And that's why, like Craig was saying, you need to be good with the ball or feet. Um, I think Falatow is one of the best proponents of that I've ever seen. And then his ability to just pick up with one hand and do something. Um, uh, oh, yeah, and kick receipts. They seem to take a lot of kick receipts now as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, they do. So so, so if you at kick off in a game of rugby, uh, one side will kick to the other. It has to make it over the over the 10-meter yeah. line. Um, <clears throat> normally, it will be you will find that your full-back will line up on one side of the pitch and the number eight on the other, and one of them will take that kick and take the impact. You might get a lock if you're lucky. It's it, we, Depending on how you set it up, depending on how people set it up, um, some people um, like to have it set up that way. Uh, uh, we have a slightly set different setup where we'll have, and, and a few other others do the same thing. Where we'll have basically the scrum set up split, split right across the field. But so you've got um, you've got uh, three receivers with a with a lifter or a backup who's with them, um, usually forwards, and then you have a couple of um, roaming um, loose forwards who will be filling in the gaps and, and, and are there and that's when you tend to find your your roving eight is usually usually receives the ball because most of the time you know the, the roving eight knows where the ball's going to be kicked no, that's one I would say that's one thing the game misses from back in the day and I remember this is that it was was kind of completely faking the opposition by lining up most like almost your entire pack on one side to go and chase the ball down and then the kicker at the last minute switches it and there's a rogue forward Ooh. running down the line to go and catch oh, it on the other side I, I do that all the time but that's because uh, where I want to kick it and where it ends up often bear no relation to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, the back then, so scrum half, um, probably one of the most active players on, on the entire pitch and a really kind of key position, number nine. 
um, the key link between the forwards and the backs. Their role, Johnny, to kind of deliver clean ball from the back of a scrum, but also to deliver clean ball from back of a a rock and kind of act as that that connect. Yeah, the- theoretically, the ones who are the best at uh, passing the ball when it's on the ground, uh, not always the case. But uh, they should be the first one to every breakdown to be ready to tell the forwards who's going in to decide what you're going to do with the ball to kind of marshal everybody around the pitch to start as many fights as possible. If you just like, imagine imagine like the smallest, angriest, yappiest dog you've ever seen in your life, but it can theoretically pass the ball off the ground. That's a scrum half. Yeah. But also the but also the one that will run away the quickest from said fight and expect everybody else to step in their place. One of the last URC games, George Horn did some peak scrum half just noise Yes. Up. He'd already been as it went to go retrieve the ball, accidentally barged into the lock. <laughs> so they like, Well, it wasn't me, what yeah. are you talking about then? Oh wait, I'll just wait for the big guys to come in, throw the ball at them, run away. <laughs> it's like a wee annoying brother. And, That's what the scrum half is. Yeah. Expecting for the big brothers to and, come in and sort out all the problems. Yeah. In the Glasgow Leinster game last year, oh, no. he, um, George Horn wound up Jameson Gibson Park until Gibson Park swung at him. Um, but George had timed it absolutely perfectly for Ollie Cable to be arriving just as uh, Gibson Park swung his first punch at George Horn. And Ollie just went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing the scrum halves will do these days more than I think these do in the past is box kicking. And we'll, we'll probably see a lot of this in in the uh, World Cup. So traditionally, your, your 10 would be the the kicker or, the, or maybe your 15 to kind of get your field position. But but it's becoming increasingly, Craig, the role of the scrum half to kick from the base of rocks. Um, we see, we'll see the human centipedes again, where you can add as many men as you want to the back of a rock to get your distance because you can't be charged down. Um, but that's, I mean, it's a key rule, and that's you know we're not we're not going to kind of go all gammon about it and say kicking's got no place in rugby. I mean, field getting field positions is an absolute key in the modern game. Yeah, um, because especially when you're you're talking about professional games, um, defence is becoming better and better, and there are going to be times where you're pinned back into your twenty-two or you're pinned into your into your own half, um, and you you're almost at a point where if you keep throwing the ball out to 10 to 12 or whatever, and the defence is smothering you as much as they usually do, you're not going to gain any advantage. So basically the box kick is there to, <clears throat> if you're in your 22, you kick it, you kick it straight out. Um, so you can get yourself um, some a breather and also get some field position and you've got a line out. Okay. It's the opposition put the ball in, but you have the opportunity to steal, but also, um, Depending on the weather, depending on your strategy, a lot of and and this is where the gammons kind of get involved in and say box you know kicking has got no no place in the game. Kicking has become a way of gaining field position because you're testing the people catching the ball and you want to give the ball to the opposition to make them make a to push them to make a mistake. And that's for example, um, we'll have Ali Price put the ball up. Um, and Duhan van der Merwe charges down the wing towards the uh, the player who's receiving the ball. Usually the player looks up, sees Duhan's coming at him, and they and because they're looking up at Duhan, they, they struggle to catch the ball. 
um, you know, or they catch the ball and then get halved by Duha. Yeah. Anything else on scrum halves? We're happy we have covered that most of their role. Um, they're allowed to. They can stand. They well. You can a scrum half can stand within um, close to lineouts as well, but it doesn't have to be the scrum half. It can be a, a loose forward. You can designate yeah. a scrum yeah. half. Yeah, a receiver. A receiver. That's a good. That's a good way of describing it. So you can have a receiver <clears> next to your um, next to your lineout line that can be a scrum half. Otherwise, everybody else has to stand ten meters back. Uh, is it ten? Five. I thought it was three, five. Ten meters back. Five. It's not ten meters back. Five meters sides. Yes, I think That's you're right. There we go. Sorted that out. We didn't say this would be. We didn't say this would be an informed uh, run through <laughs> through rugby. <laughs> um, the um, fly half, then the mercurial talent, um, the kind of pretty boy of the team. Um, it, it's a it's a very draw because again, traditionally it was scrum off to your fly half, and then the fly half decides what happens after that. I think that still is the case, Johnny, but you will have other players maybe coming in at first receiver a bit more in, in a, certainly a professional level. Yeah. Um, as you know, Craig was saying, defences are getting much more organised and, and much better and harder to break down then. Attacks are kind of starting to, to try and think of ways to work around it. So it isn't just like it used to be anymore, the, the nine passes to the 10 and then the 10 will run a move or whatever um, you might have another player coming in to take it, you might have a, a pod of forwards coming to take it between the 9 and the 10 or you might have the 9 passing the 10 and then back into the forwards because it's just about trying to find ways now that you can break down the defence which is getting much much harder and so it's a little bit more outside the box thinking which is why somebody like Finn Russell is so in demand and so popular because he's always coming up with something that nobody expected and you see that, Ian, don't you? I think with Finn Russell in particular at 10, he's that, I think he's a kind of an archetypal modern 10, that he is in complete control of what is happening in the moment for the team. He's in communication with the scrum half. He's in communication with the shape of the backs. He, I mean, you'll, you'll see him pointing and, and speaking and barking orders, which for a, a guy who's kind of notoriously laid back, you wouldn't expect. But but he will tell Ali Price where he wants the ball to go, and he'll yeah, tell him when he wants it. He'll tell him when it's on. It's just about. Oh, some echo there from Johnny. Um, no, it wasn't Johnny. It was me. It's my fault. All right, cool. Um, no, I always used to think it, you had your your tens. You could separate into two type of player. You had your kicking ten, like your your Ronald O'Gara, who just you know territory wise thinking. His his first thought is when I get the ball, go and boot it. Um, or your sort of more passing attacking ten, like a particularly the All Blacks, Carlos Spencer, who is probably the closest thing to Finn Russell that um, we've seen. Um, but like you're saying, like they are, they are, they're the playmaker. They're the pivotal central point, um, and we are seeing them uh, in defence, especially now. They're starting to organise defences as well as attacks. Uh, Dan Bigger, um, you know, as much as it might be mouthy. And an annoyance to, to referees and uh, fans of the opposition. The guy's been an absolutely cracking player, um, and he's done a very good job. He's one of the best. Johnny Wilkinson's another defensive ten. So that is, like you said, the role has changed now. They have to be a point or an organizer um, on both sides of the ball. Uh, what makes, I think, what singles Russell out is that he is 
so good at everything. His skill set is unreal. Um, kick pass is better than most people pass with our hands. Yes. Uh, so I think, you know we should be delighted to have him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm done now. I'll let That's it. other more learned people. <laughs> Advise while I. I, mean, I think ter- territory kicking is really key for your ten as well, Craig. As well, I think that's the other thing that you get from kind of uh, Finn Russell is is he he's these days fairly pinpoint accurate and and does make the right calls about when he wants it to go down to you know get the team into the twenty two if nothing's happening or if he spots a you know the the somebody in the backfield slightly out of position. You know, you'll get your fifty twenty two maybe where you you know you can kick it from with your own half if it bounces out in the in their 22 area, then you get the throw in, and we've seen that a couple of times. So I think having having someone with a boot at 10 as well is absolutely key. Yeah, I, I think it's it's you tend to find your you have your trifecta of your nine, your 10, and your 15 all working together, especially in attack when you have the ball. And they'll they'll all be able to kick and they'll always be always be looking for the 50-22, they'll always be looking for the advantage, looking for the the the, the because of the 50-22, um, you're now having to leave a defender back a lot of the time, if not two defenders back to try and fend off the 50-22 kick. So your 10 is looking for the gaps, the spaces, and they will kick their kicking control. So you've got you've got everything from drop kicks, you've got your you've got your um, grubber kicks, you've got your chip and chases, and you've got your 50-22s. Um, and also um, Usually your ten is then given the ball if they're wanting them. If the if you're in the twenty-two and you've got a penalty in the opposition's twenty-two and you've got a penalty, you, they usually they're the ones that kick the ball to the uh, into the into touch to get the uh, five meter um, line out, etc. There was a video today, Johnny, on on um, what was Twitter um, of the last time Scotland played South Africa and 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 looking at how South Africa targeted Finn Russell. And the big hits they put on it on him, but I think the the, the interesting thing, every single hit he got the ball away, and I think that's the other yeah. Thing I don't, I don't think that do. went the way they expected. No, and I think that's the other thing a good ten will do. And you see it with Johnny Sexton particularly, and and also Finn Russell is they'll almost kind of invite the hit because <laughs> you, know, you can get get. I'm going to get you out of position and manipulate the defense, and I'm going to but I'm going to get the other guy away. I don't care how hard you're going to hit me. I'm going to get my pass away. Yeah, yeah. One of to go back to Finn again, uh, one of my favourite Finn tries, or <clears throat> actually it was Sam Johnson who scored from the 38-all draw game against England a few years ago, where he brings the ball to the line and he holds it just long enough that one of the English defenders rushes out the line to hit him, and as they're hitting Finn, he just pops it up and Sam Johnson goes right through the gap where the defender came from. Um, and that's something that, if you're, a, if you're a really brave 10, which a lot of them are nowadays, you, you could do that. You you make someone want to come out and put a hit on you, and as soon as they do that, you've left the space for somebody else. And and Finn is a world expert on holding the ball just long enough that he can get it away, but he's he's made a hole before he does it. I think yeah. the other thing that, that kind of people don't really realise is when you start to get to that sort of level of rugby is just how quick everything happens. So it's having the, having the mental speed to see that happen and go, all right, okay, that's where I can make a gap. Yeah, and it is literally in like half a second. Yeah. 
if we were doing this numerically, we'd, we'd obviously go to number 11 next. But for some reason, some historical reason, number 11 doesn't necessarily is a winger, right? So we're going, to do, we're going to do 12 and 13 and we'll come to 11, 14 and 15 in a bit. What, if anybody knows the reason why number 11 comes out, is a winger and comes after number 10, please let us know. I'm going to just assume... My biggest one is why, is, why is 16 the hooker? Because that makes no yeah. sense. Because, like, wings, you know, like, the football formations, 7 and 11 were usually your wingers. So maybe we can excuse that. You know. But, yeah. Like, why is 1, 2, 3 now 2, 1, 3 on the bench? Who knows? <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone knows, you don't answer that. I suspect World Rugby can't because they don't know the left from the right. As we discovered earlier in the spot. So then we'll do 12 and 13 next. So this is your inside and your outside centre. So 12 is your inside centre, 13 is your outside centre. Again, I think describing what a modern 12 and 13 do will depend on the team we're talking about. So that we'll, we'll talk, I think it's probably easier to talk about it in terms of Scotland, given, given with the Scottish Rugby podcast. So I think the way that I mean, you, you talked about Sam Johnson, Johnny, and and Sam Johnson was maybe more of your direct running twelve. I think with we've got Siona Tiopolotu now. Game. He did. I mean, he had a wonderful passing game. But I think you know you got you got Siona Tiopolotu now, and and I think when Scotland have played well, they've had someone like a Pete Horn or Siona Tiopolotu at twelve, who is an excellent distributor, can act as almost like a second 10, but also has a good boot on them as well. And that keeps opposition defences guessing. Yeah, and it's kind of similar to what we said earlier about back rows in the modern game, is that from your 12 in particular, nowadays what you're looking for is options. And uh, whereas previously... You would want a 12 that could carry hard, that could run hard, that could, like Craig said earlier, get over the gain line if you were desperate for a couple of yards. And the, the game, the way it is today, what you're looking for is a 12 who can kick, who can pass, and who could also carry. And just to give yourselves give yourself more options, like you'll see Sione quite a lot come in as the first receiver for Scotland, try and confuse the defence again that way, another way of kind of getting one step over the defence, but he will also carry really hard if he has to. He can kick a bit if he has to. It's it's about developing the skill set nowadays for 12 in particular, and just to give yourself as many ways to beat the defence as you can. And and the 13 again, Ian, like within England, you might have the kind of man of two Lange, kind of just again, big guys just going to truck it up all the time, almost like a an, an extra forward for you, but with Scotland, you've got a kind of Chris Harris or Hugh Jones so they, they're running dummy lines in attack they're there as the kind of martial you know as almost like a, a defensive captain as well in defence Yeah well uh, Harris was definitely, I mean the weird thing was when Harris was first picked for Scotland it's on the back of his sort of ridiculous scoring record with Newcastle Falcons but then he became a defensive linchpin, I mean he struggled at first um, but then he sort of found his 40 as being that guy defending that very difficult channel Um Hugh Jones, um, and this was the thing with Tui Pelotu. Um, I mean, it's on record, I've said it, you know, it's on that's been on this podcast. I thought it was a flat track bully, and I don't think he was up to much. I was particularly confused as to why he was getting put in at 12 when he'd never really played there, um, in his professional career, not even at Glasgow Warriors. If it was a when Huey Pelotu was getting picked, Hugh Jones was at 12, um, and 
quite often acted as first receiver, but we were very quickly shipping it on. Uh, but whereas Johnny said, you know, he seems to have found this confidence from somewhere to be an all rounder. You know, that kicking game, that kicking game was never there when um, when he was uh, playing under Danny Wilson. Um, but now, what he's coming in, he's allowing Hugh Jones to do what he does best at 13, which is to run and find an angle because the man has some of the, the smoothest lines and swagger in his tips. I've seen it at 13. Um, your 13 should be, well, other than the Harris style, um, as I was mentioning, who's so good at marshalling his back line and making crunching tackles. Hugh Jones, most 13s now, like uh, Rico Ioanni, who's or Gail Fiku. Gail Fiku's actually a great all-rounder. Uh, but Rico Ioanni, he'll be starting for the All Blacks against France. Um, usually plays on wing. They cut these lines... They can move off the 10 and 12, arc outside and try and find that gap as, you know, the forwards, have, hopefully the forwards have punched the hole and left the gap out wide and their aim is to try and get through that little swerving gap, cut out the drift, uh, sorry, cut out the blitz, get into that drift, that gap between the, the wide defender and the second inside man and then see what they can do from there. A lot of times Scotland will bring their full back up. So Hogg used to do that quite as well to fill in that space. Josh McKay does it in Glasgow. Um, but it's, a lot of times it's horses for courses, but Scotland with Hugh Jones will tend to do that. And I think that's that's kind of our, kind of typical, Craig, of, of what Scotland are good at now. In that I think, you know, certainly for the past 10, 15 years, maybe even longer, the way rugby's go, been going is it's big guys smashing it into other big guys and if you're lucky enough, one big guy runs over another big guy and they make a few yards. But I think rugby's always been about going around, you know, avoiding contact rather than making contact. And I think that's maybe key to, to this Scotland team. Yeah, well, you know, if, if you look at, and, and I'm sure, you know, obviously we're going to come to, to, to 11, uh, 14 and 15 in a second. But what there's a lot to be made about Scotland's pivotal position around 10. You've got now 15, 12 and 13 all giving Finn Russell options. But also um, Blair Kinghorn from 15 is coming in at 10 to then give Finn Russell more options. So it's almost like they're, they're playing like having Pete Horn outside at 12, a second delivery, uh, a secondary delivery agent, but that delivery agent isn't a 12, it's actually Finn Russell. So you've got, and, and this is, I guess, everyone was calling an experiment, everyone was t- talking about the, the, the Blair Kinghorn experiment, etc, etc. This is what this, hopefully... The Blair this Switch Project, the, Greg. The Blair <laughs> Switch Project, it's now decided. Um, you're now fine. Nice, Ian. That is, that's nice. It's almost no, like you write for yourself. Or, you write no, for some, or that, that wasn't mine. Somebody, I nicked that off somebody. That's, oh, did yeah, you? Right, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, for, for me, it's... it's you know, you're almost seeing now that, that, that Blair Kingham, because he's been playing 10 for us, you know, quite a lot of time, um, he's able to come in at 10 in an attack and put the ball out the back to Finn Russell and give other options or, or have Finn Russell available in other places to to to, to surprise the, uh, the the South Africans who are maybe just all they're trying to do is hit the 10 as hard as they possibly can. So, yeah, he's I- on a better player. Um, yeah, I yeah. never thought it was going to be a. I never thought it was a great idea in the first place, but he was decent at it. But what it has done is made him a better player. 
and now he's an absolutely outstanding 15. Yeah, so not perfect, but who is? And, and again, if we, if we move on to kind of 11, 14, and 15, um, Johnny, there's your time to shine now. Um, again, going back traditionally, you know, your 11 and 14 were just kind of there, they run up and down the line and they wait on the end of a, you know, for, for a pass to kind of walk it in after all the hard work of the rest of the team. Um, nowadays, and, and there was an interview with Do Han van der Moe recently where, you know, he'd kind of drifted out of a game a bit and Finn had just come up to him and said, jot, jot the ball, you know, come inside. So, so wingers will come inside a lot more, maybe kind of do hand more than, than, than Darcy Graham perhaps, but it's not just these guys, are, although you, they, you know, they, they'll finish on the wing, they're not always to be found on the wing. Yeah, it's, it, it's always been a big problem, I think, for wingers, particularly uh, once you go down the levels in sort of amateur rugby, uh, the chances of most amateur teams stringing enough passes together to get the ball to the winger to score are real slim. So if you want to actually be part of the game in any sort of form, you've got to come off the wing, start looking for something else to do. And and modern wingers these days do it really well, especially somebody who's the size and speed of Duhan van der Merwe. Coming round the back of a scrum, sort of short play on the blind side, uh, he is the size of a forward, but the speed of a back. And when you've got that sort of physical combination, you want to use it as much as you possibly can and, and find ways to get someone like that at the ball rather than just waiting for it to get to him. Is there a difference between 11 and 14 other than one's left and one's right? I'm not getting into that again. Yeah. <laughs> not not as much as, as there used to be um, because the game's moved on so much. There there used to be... Let me get this right. This is terrible. I've not played on the wing for about 15 years. Uh, four, 14 more of a defensive winger because it was easier... If, you're, if everyone's passing off their right hand to get to 11, 11 is your left wing. So that that was more of your attacking winger because everyone's passing off their strongest hand to get to him. But that's kind of gone out the window a little bit, to be honest. It's it's Everyone moves around so much now and players are so much more skilled and drilled that actually doesn't make the difference that they used to. And, and you'll tend to find one of the wingers, I guess, Craig, will, will drop back into the backfield when in defence, you normally have your fullback, a winger, and then with Scotland, it's normally Finn Russell or, or, or the 10 back there as well to kind of take the high ball and, and run it back when he's been. Then you've got your other winger, which I think in Scotland's case with Darcy Graham is, is almost like an extra wing forward who will hit rocks quite happily all day. Yeah, he certainly will. He certainly will. Well, we we talk about in defence, we talk about the pendulum, um, and basically, you've, you, if you imagine um, a, a, a pin right in the middle of the field um, at, the, at the kickoff spot in the middle of the field, and a piece of rope that goes out to the the eleven, goes out to the fifteen, and goes out to the the, the fourteen. As as you're defending, if you're needing an extra man to come up, so as the as the fourteen pushes up on the uh, on the attacking um, on the attacking team, your fifteen will come up into the 14's role um, a little bit higher, and then your your eleven will swing around 
almost swinging the pendulum around so that he's there for any high, any kicks um, or also anyone who breaks through the line and comes and he's the last the, he's the last point of contact and again it goes the same way if you if you've got an attack going the other side the 11 will push up in defense the 15 will come up a little bit further and the, and the uh, and the, the the 14 will come around almost into the dif- into the 15 position um to provide you the cover as well so it's it's a it, it should be a movable feast um in defenses um uh, as well as attack if you've and ever then 15 back three uh, two experienced and one inexperienced player, the easiest way to wind someone up is to not be able to pendulum properly. If you're if you're the inexperienced wigger and you've got two really experienced people playing 15 and, and playing on the other wing, you can't pendulum right, it will annoy the tits off them almost instantly. At <laughs> uh, 15 then, Johnny, here we go. Time to shine. Um <laughs> The 15th job, as far as I can tell, is to 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 make it look like the last line of defence, but then to spectacularly fail at the last turtle. You've been watching Johnny play? I mean, yeah. That's... <laughs> I've been watching all 15th play, Craig. <laughs> uh, Fifteen is, is theoretically a really important attacking and defensive job. Um, we've kind of talked a lot about how kick is really important and your 15 should in most cases be your furthest back player so needs to be able to catch really well and kick really well um needs to be able to come up and hit the line 15 has the luxury of of being able to come into the line attacking line really wherever they want because they're coming from the furthest back and they can pick their spot at the same time we are supposed to be the last line of defense I know a lot of fullbacks who think that tackling's overrated, um, but theor- theoretically, we should all be able to do it the best because we are meant to be the last defender. Um, that means defending kicks well as well as defending runners well, and being able to read where the attack's going to go because a rugby pitch is really wide. <laughs> you need to know where you need to be at the right time. And that's one of the things that, that fullbacks will do really well. And Stuart Hogg was good at this, Ian, was, is kind of standing at the back and assessing what's in front and then communicating that to the 10 because they are stood far back for a lot of the game. They can see the way the opposition is shaping up often. Yeah, and especially with someone like Hogg. Um, when he sat far back and when he was you know that ridiculously quick, he was like, hang on, I can see gaps here now. Um, and I see it as well, like um, some of the coaches um, when I do matches of the offside line, um, especially Andy Hill at Glasgow Hawks for the first season, he was stood at the sidelines. Then uh, every year after that, he just stood at the back of the pitch at one end. Um, usually they're the, the end that Hawks are attacking, just so you can see where the, the shapes are, uh, the gaps are in the line. Um, I mean, yeah, Hogg Hog was quite often criticised for his last touch tackling. The thing is, like, the fullbacks, um, by the time, if a winger or somebody is, or anyone has burst through uh, the defensive line and it's one on one with the fullback, the fullback's on their heels. It's going to be very hard for them to, like, change momentum and make sure the tackle's good. Um, you know, Freddie Stewart has recently been praised that Hill has been one of the best fullbacks in the world. Uh, then I saw a stat that he had some of the worst tackle stats in the English Premiership last year. I mean, so he's great under a high ball and he's you know, a big physical presence, but his his tackling isn't 
great. So tackling is a very different job. It's a difficult job at 15. The main thing is about, well, like you've been saying, um, they have to be a playmaker now, especially now Scotland have to have a, a, a 15 who can jump into the line and be a playmaker because we have that all all out sort of rush attack, try to find those gaps because we're not going to power through teams. It's about picking the little holes and having somebody run the line. Yeah. Hopefully, folks, you found that useful. That was a, that was a quick well, an hour's run through one to fifteen on the rugby field. We touched on some of the laws there. There's a couple of laws that's worth kind of pointing out that are new that some of you may not know are coming at the World Cup. They've got the bunker now, where a yellow card. If someone's given a yellow card, the referee can ask for that to be reviewed and, and if necessary, upgraded to a red card on review during a 10-minute period. But then, as we all know, um, unless someone's got the barrister with them. Um, to defend themselves and offer a robust defence there. Who knows what can happen with those decisions. Um, and the other one is the, the we've got the, the what do they call it? The clock, not the, the countdown clock. The shot right? clock. The shot clock. There shot we go. So we've got the shot clock. So it's 90 seconds for a penalty and 60 seconds for a conversion. I think I've got that the right way around. There's also very short, um, there's, there's, the, the tightening down on the time balls are kind of released from the base of the rock. Which, um, if anybody saw Rob Harley counting down, yeah, five seconds from the base of a rock, and, and um, ten, se- 10 seconds for a scrum seems ridiculous, Craig. But <laughs> I've never seen a 10 second scrum in my life, no, absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we've got, we've got these new things coming in, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they're officiated, um. Before we go and do the Patreon podcast and kind of leave our main pod for this evening, we unexpectedly today the Springboks have decided to name their um, squad to face Scotland um, on Sunday. They've done that to avoid speculation because the players know and they don't want any leaks from from camp. Um, the, I mean, looking at it, there's nothing much. There's, there's not much of a surprise in there, I guess, Ian. It's a very strong pack. However, it looks like it's going to be hot at the weekend. And, you know, every, I pointed out earlier on Twitter, every single team has had their welcoming ceremony in an air-conditioned hotel. Scotland wore full tweed suits in 40-degree heat outdoors. Now, that's, 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 that's smart by Gregor Townsend. He's using the welcoming ceremony as, as heat conditioning, right? That's what's going on there. But... There, I mean, there is a couple of ways, you know, this South Africa squad, they're the oldest squad in the tournament. You've got a fly half who I think 27 has got nine caps. Their scrum half off the bench is fairly inexperienced. There are, I think, again, if we cut, it comes back to, if Scotland can go around South Africa rather than taking them on up front, there is a scenario in which Scotland could get a result. Oh, there's always scenarios, <laughs> you know. Um, we get lots of strangers here. We can have all the scenarios we want. Um, it is pretty much sort of like these names are kind of drilled in our heads. It's there's not a lot of changes. Um, well, I said like just as you were saying that, I was looking at the. I went on Twitter and I saw the, how hot it's going to be because I heard 
Fiji Wales, it's going to be like 35 degrees Celsius. It's going to be absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, the South Africans have, you know, they're not too bad at taking a wee, taking a wee sit down if um, somebody has a knock, if they want their, their pack to have a rest. Um, I mean, how, how can you not be concerned about facing the world champions on the opening day of the World Cup um, and after they've absolutely scudded New Zealand. I watched that game all of it and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Alright, now I'm worried. Um, but, you know, we, ha- we have to take it on at some point. Uh, and, like, the Georgia game, I mean, I, 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 I'm just going to assume this lad was trolling when I saw you talking about it on the uh, on our chat. Um, somebody on the Scottish Rugby Forum. Hi, Chief Co-Admin here. Um, <laughs> I don't pay any attention to it. Uh, he suggested that Townsend should be sacked at half-time. Now, I'm assuming this guy was just absolutely milking, like, just trying to fish. Um, Scotland's first... Scotland against Georgia, right? Georgia defended like, Lions... It didn't. I mean, we made loads of mistakes, but it seemed like we were happy to sit in a defensive pattern. We didn't concede a try, and then absolutely gassed them out, and that's when we struck. Can we do that against South Africa? I really don't know. Um, we're gonna have to hope for a miracle, <laughs> basically. I don't know how you how you lads feeling. I'm I'm, I'm not. Liking I don't. It. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of Craig. Craig. I'm, I'd say Craig. I I think after the the France results, give me some hope. I think, especially the one away, because that's an intimidating place to go. It was France. I'm not. You know, we lost ultimately, but I think it did show that this Scotland team is capable of stepping up and playing the very best in the world in an unfamiliar environment, and so it kind of does open up to. On our day, we could do something here, but it's very much on our day. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be the biggest game of the tournament for us, I think. I think um, you've got to remember that uh, everyone's talking about the Irish, but you're looking at Ireland, um, fourth game down the line. They'll have, they'll have played all their all their games. Um, there could be some injuries in the pack. There, should, there could be, you know, Ireland could be either in their trap, you know, uh, you know, they're in their straps and they're and they're ready to go, or you find that they're, they're weakened because they've been pummeled within an inch of their life. Whereas South Africa now, you just got to look at one of the biggest threats. I think is um, is Dialendi at twelve. Um, if you don't put a proper tackle in on him, you're, he's he's going to be down the field. Um, you're going to be rocked backwards. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm not a huge. I don't. I don't really rate Jesse Creel. Uh, it's not that I don't rate him. I think he's. I, I don't. I think he's more. What's the word? Um, he's he's a he's a patch over for Lacan Yam. Um, you've got the uh, the young guy coming through. That um, oh no, he's not in the. Uh, he's not in the squad, is he? And um, I was going to say that. Was it, is it Connor? Um, I forgot the last name anyway. We knew the twenty-year-old that was coming through, but he's not—he's not been included in it. But what oh, you've Kinemidi. got, to, yeah, Kinemidi, that's it, Kinemidi. yeah, yeah. Um, 
where, where, where the big worry I have is just if with France, you've got a few big lads coming at you, strong pack and some fairly strong backs, but we managed to outplay them at certain things. Unfortunately, with South Africa, you've got strength coming at you no matter where you are on the field. Um, and you've got to be, A, ready to put your tackles in and be um, on your toes at every single moment of the time. And I think once their once they're front, you know, the front five start getting tired, on come the next front five that will do exactly the same job. So I think um, we, have, we are going to have to just be at top, 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 top of our game. And if we give them any points, we're going to regret it. So we'll have to work hard. I think now... now just on, for a busy day. They're going to be soaking up so many tackles. Just Listen, yeah. I mean, I've got a theory, Johnny, that like, look, we're, we're top five in the world now, right? So we need to start acting like it. And, and the way that you act as top five in the world is... If we if we win this, we're the greatest team in in the world in world rugby. Absolutely, it's proven beyond all doubt. If we lose it, it's the officials' fault. That that's that's the way that the top five teams in the world do it. Yep. Uh, do you know what? Like, I I feel like those South African backs are are gettable. That's that's the thing that's given me a bit of hope. Like, um, currently Aronsa in particular will have no interest in having Duane van der Merwe run at him and even less at trying to compete for a high ball with him. I think Manny Leboc is prone to a mistake if you can if you can encourage him into one. Um I don't think he'll hang with Finn Russell. Well, I Kobe think Finn Russell is I Kobe as well is is prone to rush Aerial challenges. Hmm. So Kobe versus Graham is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think I think Aronsa is in for a really long day. Yeah. Uh, I think if we if we could get some contestable kicks out of that direction where where he's been asked repeatedly to jump against Duan van der Merwe, he's not going to have any interest in that at all. What well, one thing I think... I'm like you on Jesse Creel. I I don't. He's well. He's definitely not looking you arm, is he? Um, so I think I think if we're going to do anything, the backs is where we'll get after them. I would See, say what, I think we're going in. Right, yeah, one stat I recalled from the Lions tour was despite the many slaggings that Scotland players took for their um, capability on their high ball, South Africa absolutely crapped it every time Doohan ran at them. I think they dropped something like eight out of thirteen. You know, or like the number of times his chase is excellent just because I think earlier like you said, Johnny, um, you know, you see that brick wall coming at you, you can't help but take your eye off the ball. A wee touch like this might hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think one thing that the, the tests have shown us in the summer is if, if you don't want a stressful afternoon, tune in at 60 minutes because I think the first 60 minutes are going to be painful watching. I think it's going to be tight. I think. South Africa have the best of us. I think the last half an hour is where we we win the game if we can That's, win the game. It's one thing that really concerns me is that uh, if there are two teams in the world that will not let you back into a game if you're not in it from minute one, yeah. it is South Africa and Ireland. Like uh, France, as good a team as France are, let us back into a game twice. Um, we've had a few teams do that recently and with South Africa, then again with Ireland, we need to be in that game from the first minute. Because if we're not, if we let ourselves get six, nine, twelve points behind, 
we will not get back in. Which I suppose is more how we've beaten England of late. Is, yeah. is is we've we've led the we've kept the scoreboard ticking over and we've been in the the chase all the way through and then maybe kind of torn away a little bit towards the end. I think the interesting thing though is that you've got if you look at the bench though you've got um uh, you've got Willie Larue um on the bench and 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 if you if you're looking for someone who's mobile confident knows the game well to defend a, a, a resurgent last twenty minutes Scotland. Um, I think uh, I think Billy is the right person to come in off the bench. Um, so that's an interesting move there as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll leave it there for this week. We hope you all uh, found that interesting and useful as a wee guide to, to rugby union as we, we approach into the World Cup and a wee preview of Scotland versus South Africa. We'll be back next week, probably Wednesday-ish. Uh, maybe we'll be back Friday though for a, a team announcement. We won't well, well, I don't think the timing of the Scotland announcement is going to tie in for a little <gasps> mini pod, unfortunately. Sadly, Ian. So, all right, who's free? Nobody. I'll just we'll see if we can. We'll see, Ian. Ian will fill Alex Jones. Ian's one. doing it. Ian's doing a TikTok, <laughs> a solitary TikTok on the Scotland announcement <laughs> at heart. We'll see. I mean, my understanding is it's late Friday, the Scotland announcement. But if it's early, if it's lunchtime oh, Friday, we'll maybe squeeze one in. If it's going to be late Friday, walking down the street, down towards a, down towards a, a, a bean shop, you know, on the, like, yeah, Twin Russell at 10, that's billion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where my nearest bean shop is. <laughs> that's it. You call yourself a Scotsman, you don't even know where your nearest Baines is. I'm off, but I've got the motor. It's fine, I'll drive over. Right. Um, You've got to be at least five minutes, you know, out, out with grasp of macaroni pie. Come on. Anyway, look, on that note, look, we'll be back next week with a main part. If we're going to put a mini, we will try and do some mini preview pods around team announcements, depending on the time of team announcements, but it's all fairly set in stone by World Rugby's I, schedule. I hear Friday, so. Friday midday as the. Uh... Friday midday may be doable, so let's leave. We'll put a pin in that. We may do a, a very brief preview pod of of Scotland South Africa once we know the Scotland team. We'll announce. Keep an eye on Twitter and, and Facebook for for that one. Otherwise, we'll be back with a full pod next week. Patreons, if you're watching live, hang about. We're going to do a little. Uh, we'll do some guesswork on the World Cup pools and the outcomes of the World Cup. Uh, for the meantime, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig, Johnny, and Ian. Bye. Bye. Bye.